0: Hello everybody, welcome episode forty-one of the uh, Canberra Football Show. We thought we were going to be episode forty-one about a month ago, but obviously fate and coronavirus has its own way. And but we are here at least. Obviously, the season's done. But before we get into that, Michael, how's it? How's it been, mate? It's been a. It's been a little while.
1: Yeah, like you, you said, you know, episode forty-one. This would have probably been you know done around around about a month ago, but we've. Obviously, not had anything to obviously really cover given uh, the circumstances and what and what's happened with the season. But nevertheless, it's um, you know it, it's good to finally uh, be back on uh, with with you two especially uh, to dissect uh, the season review of two thousand twenty one and um, more than happy um, to you know share this sort of platform with you two that you know we, we've been look, we've been covering the league all all season long um, obviously you two have, have had your fair share in, in, in commentary as well um, at, at those games throughout the uh, throughout the three different competitions so um, you know we, we're here to uh, dissect you know um, just the MPL one uh, today obviously but um, very uh, very happy to be back on and and to get an episode um, up and running again. It
0: feels good. Certainly does. Russ, how are you going?
2: See, I'm good, mate. Yeah, <laughs> we're all we're all Ronaldoing up in our household. I'm just introducing my young boy into the fact that one of the world's greatest players joined United. He already knows United and the bad. So it's been great that uh, the Premier League's been on and um, it's given a bit of a kick to people that we haven't been able to watch any of our local football. So we've been able to watch some stuff from overseas and watched a bit of uh, the Italians yesterday as well, Matt. I watched a bit of Sampdoria Inter. Yeah, it was on a good time.
1: Really good time. Eight yeah, thirty, in that wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely
2: a free kick. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but yeah, I've been watching a fair bit of football and um, been doing uh, some work on the review of the yearbook, which will be out hopefully towards the end of October when Matt does his bit as well and Jeremy McGann chips in. And we're standing at the moment about two hundred and twenty pages, I think it is, of a review of the year from MPL one, MPL two, and WMPL. Um, review all the clubs and review some. Tactical trends that we've seen and review all the rounds of football. So it's really good. And um, yeah, part of that will be the team of the year, which we'll talk about in a bit.
0: Yeah. And I uh, forgot to mention at the start of the show, this will just be our MPL1 review of the season. And we'll have two other episodes, MPLW and MPL2, to come with some special guests as well for those episodes. Uh, before that, let's start with the decision from Capital Football to suspend the competitions after the lockdowns. Like we mentioned, they've shortened it. Uh, over the last month, A couple of football made the decision to end it after 80% of the matches have been played. Tigers were crowned MPL one League Champions. Tagarong have been relegated to MPL 2 Canberra Croatia were crowned League Champions in MPLW, And O'Connor Knights were crowned League Champions in MPL 2 And, of course, gained the all-elusive promotion. They finished two points. I think it's probably important to say... O'Connor finished two points above Anu. Tagarong finished eleven points uh, between them and seventh placed Olympic. Of course, there's a lot to discuss here. Russ, we'll start with you. What did you think about uh, the decision? And then I guess we'll just go over what sort of, I guess, options people were discussing uh, whether capital football considering or not. I think it's it'll be interesting to you know talk about some of the uh, some of the uh, solutions that we were hearing all around the place.
2: Look, I think they were caught between a rock and a hard place, weren't they, really? I mean, if they called the season off and didn't give any promotional relegation, there will be people complaining. Called the season off, they've given the championship out, they've relegated Tuggernaut, they've promoted O'Connor, there's people complaining. I mean, you're never going to please everyone in this kind of situation. Look, I think we all wanted to see the season ended on the field. Um, that's where it needs to be played and not in the boardroom. Um... Tigers FC, I think, you know, worthy champions, you would think, based on the performances that they put in. And, and they had enough points on the board at the stage to be crowned champions. It's not ideal. Um, I know some clubs aren't, aren't particularly happy with, with the way that ended. Um, what it has done, I think, is it's uh, the, the lockdown has robbed us of what was looking towards to being a great final series. I mean, you had Tigers who were playing well. Canberra, Croatia or Canberra, Croatia. They're hard to beat. I think Gungalem would um, be uh, one, one loss in eight. Monero Panthers were one in seven, I think, and they were pushing, and the, and Belconnen were on the cusp of that four as well. So we had five teams really that were in good form heading into what would have been a fantastic final series. Um, what we've been deprived of. As for the decisions themselves, I mean, you, you're going to talk in a moment about what could have could have happened. Um, I would have liked to seen a reshuffle of the competitions. I think lots of people would have with with a couple coming up maybe and and teams staying there, but they chose to go in a different direction and, and, and that's why they're the governing body. Now, we don't have to agree with that, um, but we have to live with it because that's the way that they've gone. Um, I think Tugrong United probably um, had admitted to themselves they were going to get relegated uh, quite a while ago anyway. I think, I think they were struggling seven points, meant they were never really going to stay up and they would have needed a miracle. Uh, but it still leaves a sour taste in the mouth. You know, probability doesn't mean definitely. Um, they probably would have gone down. Tigers probably would have won the league. Def- it doesn't mean definitely. And I think that's where it, the sour taste left. However, what can you do? Um, we're in lockdown now till, what, the 17th and no sign of it getting any better at the moment. So probably going to get extended again. We can't go on indefinitely. The only thing perhaps I am surprised about is is Football New South Wales and Football Victoria made their decisions um, and they decided no promotion and relegation. So I thought capital football might follow that trend They didn't in the end, and we are where we
0: are. Uh, Any quick thoughts on that, Michael, before we discuss the rest?
1: No, I think obviously, I mean, like Ross touched on, I I think to have another season that had been affected, you know, by by COVID is is really sort of disappointing. Um, But nevertheless, you know, health and safety comes first. And, um, you know, it it is disappointing because there are all these – you know, teams that were in form uh, when we're just talking about the MPL one in particular,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the, there were teams in form, um, teams playing some really good football. And um, I think it would have, yeah, obviously been nice to see how that would have played out because like you said, Russ, um, it, it was all, you know, they made the decisions mm-hmm. of champions who got relegated uh, and, and whatnot um, based on uh, the league table as uh, currently constructed without you know um without that element of of certainty uh, you're, you're not really sure what could happen especially in football to say the least so um, it's obviously very disappointing that we've had um this um, that we've had COVID um, get in the way of another you know potentially uh great season uh it was certainly heading that way you know with um teams playing 16 some playing 17 games so that we we got as far as that. But, um, you know, we'll always sit here and think, what if, you know, this happened or that happened? Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do. The decision's been made and, and we move forward uh, from that.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm sure we've all heard about what people, you know, because Capital Football, if I'm not mistaken, said, give us your solutions, what would you do? And I heard if you people suggest that you do a 10 team competition next year, considering that mathematically it was only going to be ANU and O'Connor that were going to be in the promotion race, uh, considering Queen Bean got the duct of the 24 points. And uh, I guess looking at it from MPL 2s point of view, A&U could look at it and say, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty harsh on ANU considering they were only two points behind. They still were yet to play O'Connor twice. Um, in saying that, though, very classy from ANU, from what I saw on Facebook, and c- congratulating O'Connor in that regard. Uh, but in saying that, O'Connor, I guess the one game they did play, O'Connor did win uh, against ANU, and it was a very tight race between them. That is probably what I'm most disappointed in this whole yep. thing, to see the race between those because two, because I think that was going to be an absolute cracker those last two games. And it probably would have ended up being like a sort of a playoff in the end, because mm. I don't think they were able to reschedule it until before finals. So it was going to be like back to back. Um, yeah, so the, so it would have probably would have been two with those two coming up and then Tuggeron get the opportunity to stay up as well. But then I know it would have been accounted for, but then what was going to happen to MPL 2? Would you have brought two teams up from State League 1 to sort of fill the gap and then work out a way so two get demoted the next season and then eighth place in NPL 1 plays off with of first place in NPL 2? I guess that's what Capital Football looked at it and went, oh, it's too much for us. Let's just do promotion relegation which at the end of the day, while like Russ said, I think Russ said it perfectly. Not not everyone's going to be happy, but I am glad that they did do some sort of promotion relegation. MPL 2 were robbed of it last season. They've been promised it for a very long time. These clubs have invested a lot uh, in their youth, in their setups, in their sponsors, in everything. So I'm glad to see that at least someone from NPL2 was given that opportunity. Like I said, unfortunately for Tuggerong, it was done... You know, in the um, in the boardroom and not on the field, which they wouldn't have liked. But like you mentioned, there's not much else uh, we can do uh, or they can do. So, um, any last thoughts for us before we move on?
2: Yeah, I think you've I think you've nailed it. I would have brought up Anu and Queenian and gone uh, Anu and O'Connor and gone with a a ten team competition. And I know for a fact that there's teams like Gungar and Juventus. Um Bell North very keen to get into MPL two. You'd have invited them into the structure. You could have brought narrow back in as well and given yourself a nine team comp if you couldn't find a tenth for MPL two and and your structure's set. Um one up, one down the following season, two teams, two divisions of ten. Now, I would have liked to have seen that myself personally. Um I think that would have given the opening the door to more teams for MPL two is the is the way to go. Um logistically, would that have been Doable. You might have had to tweak a few rules for them for for the lack of time you've got to prepare for MPL two. If you are one of those clubs like uh, that I mentioned that might come in, but I think it could have been doable. Um, I, I like to. I think it's possibly a, an opportunity missed uh, in that respect. However, it's all if buts and maybes to be honest. Um, and we can't really. Um, ideally, we wouldn't even be talking about it. We'd have had the season that we would have had, and we would have been one up, one down. Everyone would have been happy. Um, but as you said, uh, Michael, very astutely put it earlier health and safety is far more important than us watching football at the moment yep and yeah
0: before we move on congratulations to all those people who are crowned champions and promotion as well russ you mentioned your book and in that there's going to be a team of the season uh do you want to discuss either who's in the season team of the season or if you haven't uh, got it yet your nominees and how you're structuring it and then we can mention it next episode yeah. or the two one
2: so I think this is going to be the first team of the season that we've had that's going to have input from um, every club. Um, I've invited all first team coaches at NPL1 level to nominate uh, to, to choose from a list of nominated players in a 4-3-3 formation, obviously with a goalkeeper. Uh, you need one of them. Um, based on the fact that to be on the shortlist, you need to have played uh, nine games or more, started nine games or more, and the t- the coaches couldn't pick from their own team. So I'd send them a list of players, defenders, midfielders, strikers who've who've reached that criteria and fit into that, and then the head coach of of the side sends it back to me, picking their team in that formation, not picking players from their own team. So therefore, we get a, I think we get a, a really good um, sample of of what we think is the team of the year. And I'm looking at the um the votes I've had in so far. I'm still waiting for one or two to come back, but there is some clear delineation between which players they think are the best ones, and there's some names in there that perhaps you wouldn't expect as well. Um, but if you want, I can just I can run you down who we've got that that's on the shortlist and the nominations. Obviously, your goalkeepers include pretty much everybody: um, Thirtel Brown, Christus Laguda, Alexander Ridley, Cole Wiseman, and Interlandi, of course, because so, they're all the number ones. Defensive wise, Belconnen Bailey, Clements and Maybury, Croatia: Gurbicja Lamb, Verkic, Olympic Brown, Faust, Vidica, uh, Gengalin Abbas, Galeski, Kachenko. Monero, Bobulus, Calabria, Jenkins and Ulrich. Tigers, Costanzo, Griffith Jr. Tuggerong, Bunel, Doherty and Bogo. Wanderers, Bill Carr, Defranceschi, Fields and Hoshofsky. Um The midfielders list, Belconnen, Beaton, McCaw, the other McCaw and Mel, uh, Wells. Croatia, Covertado, Kia, Kishta, Pilkington, Supersic, uh, Waters rather, um, not Supersic, Waters are there. Olympic Fauna, James and Ringy and Rowan Jones. Gungahlin, Anderson, Dahl, Rathjen, Monero, Bassasilk, Habsamerian, McLaughlin, and Rosebarken Tigers, Kelly, Magic, Stricker, Timotheu Tuggeron, Cashmore, Murray, Nolan, Pedican Walsh. Wanderers, Cole, Yadrich, Paisler, Thornton. and your forwards, Belcon Flores, Kreskis. Croatia, Barac, Kalfas, Taneski Ugrinich Olympic, Crawford, Ihegi, Ray. Gungahlin, Bernabeu, Madrid, John, Namoski Monero, Dominici, Peña, Woods. Tigers, Goleski, Popovich, Whittier and Tuggeron, Gaia Slavic, and Ospina from Wanderers. So that's a list. That's all the players that have played over nine games. Um, what we've done then, as I said, split them up, and the coaches get to pick from that so far. So by this time next week, we will have a list of of four three three formation. What I'm going to do is each um, section, whoever's got the next most votes will go on a bench, and we'll have a bench of one goalie, one defender, one midfielder, one striker. So we'll have a real representative sample, I think, for the first time ever in capital football, of rather than taking it off the 3 21s for the refs, rather than asking technical committees, we've asked the people that are involved um, at the most at the coalface and they'll come up with a team of the year. So hopefully um, people will jump on board and, and we'll announce that next year, uh, next, year next week. <laughs>
0: Awesome. That sounds uh, fantastic. We'll bring that to you probably in our MPL 2 uh, review next week. Uh, we are planning at the moment. Obviously, it all just depends when everyone's free. Let's get straight into this. All right, so the way we're going to do these reviews is we're going to do it by ladder position. So we'll start from first down to eighth place. Let's start with... Uh, first, let's just talk about how that ladder finished. So we had... Tigers have seen first place with 36 points. Canberra Croatia in second place with 33 points. Gungahlin in third place with 26 points. Monaro Panthers in fourth place with 25 points. Belconnen United in fifth place with 23 points. West Canberra Wanderers in sixth place with 19 points. Canberra Olympic in seventh place with 18 points. And Tyrone United in eighth place with seven points. So let's dive in with Tigers FC. Obviously finished first place. They were Crown League champions. Uh, uh, made by the decision the other week they of course won the FFA Cup qualifying final against Monaro they will play that round 32 most likely it seems to be pencilled in for the end of the year if everything all goes well with uh, the lifting of restrictions once I'm assuming once, every, once the vaccination uh, target has been hit against Arpia Leichhardt uh, Nick Popovich was ended up the runner up league top scorer That's uh, with 9 goals there was three people, I believe, that ended up uh, runners up in the top scorer race straight from Sports TG. So, might have, Russ might have something else from his stats. Um, overall, I think, so Tigers settled themselves in first place, like I mentioned, with three points, one match remaining. Uh, but we mentioned during the season how uh, them being, you know, having those matches in hand would really help them because if they drop points like. We didn't end up discussing, but Russ and I did that match, which seems like a lifetime ago. Um, that midweek match where the lights went out in the last five minutes or something, uh, where they it was a draw between Tigers and Manaro. So Tigers dropped points there, but still three points ahead with one match to go. They put themselves in that position where with the matches in hand, but they were still ahead. So that so it really helped them out there. And it really seemed like Tigers, in my opinion, were hitting their stride at the right time. They started uh, a little slowly, only getting one win from their first four games, but then they went on a three-match win streak. Uh, and then they only lost to Canberra Croatia after the first four games. And then uh, not too long before they uh, the season ended, they did end up beating Croatia. So they lost twice, but they won their last game against Canberra Croatia, which did huge uh, for their confidence against them because against the other teams, uh, they hadn't lost... A single match so I think it's safe to say by the time we would have hit finals Tigers would have been in really peak form Russ what did you think of Tigers this season they were very impressive especially to end the season of course won the FA Cup qualifying final and any players you want to mention that stood out for you and they're quite a quite a bit from the players that joined them and of course the players that joined them in the mid-season transfer window as well
2: yeah, wonderful cast list that Ryan Gregor managed to assemble at the Tigers. And I think none more important than the signing of Lachlan Griffiths um, at centre-back. He brought calmness and and vision and perception that they didn't have there last year. And it, it just hit, having him in the team uh, made a huge difference to them defensively. Um, it, it made sense to have Jacob Cole in goal. He was excellent Um I thought Luke Dark had a very underrated season at full back. He didn't start there at the start of the year, worked his way into the team and then was almost never present. Going forward, plenty of quality. Rocco Stricker pulled the strings. Absolutely brilliant. Signing Nico Oida was the icing on the cake for them, really, wasn't it? Um, and up front there, Nick Popovich amongst the goals. And then when he was out for a lengthy span of time, Josh Goleski just stepped into the breach and banged in a few as well. None more important for him than the double he got against Croatia at the AIS Synthetic. Um, to give them the two 0 win. Uh, ultimately, they won the league by three points, which uh, was their forfeit win against Tuggeranong United, I believe. But even if that hadn't been given, I think they would have been on goal difference anyway. Um, but yeah, they were they were deservedly so. They've only lost twice all season, haven't they? And both of those times were to camper Croatia. Um, I, I say in the review, you'll you might see in Capital Football, I've written a, a short review piece for them for their website, and I said at the start of the season, myself and Matt Nicoletti, um, we drove down, didn't we, to, uh, to Nijong, and we drove back, spending an hour on the way back, discussing how we're going to watch Canberra Croatia steamroll the competition. Um, didn't know where their challenge was going to come from, and the answer was right in front of us the whole time. And credit to Ryan Grogan and Nancy Jagarinich for, for knitting that team together, um, for getting over what was a bumpy start when they only had, the, at least you said, the, the four points or five points from the first four matches. Um, and then doing what champions do, win football games and win them well. Scored five in successive weeks, didn't they, against the Olympic and West Canberra in the middle of the league season. But I've always said, when you win leagues, you don't win leagues from 1 to 11, and you win leagues from 12 through to 18. And their, their supporting cast, if you want to use that that phrase, uh, was excellent. People like Julian Borgner only played half a dozen matches from the start, scored half a dozen goals. Uh, Jared Tonini, um, Sam Whittier played 10 matches. Uh, their players off the bench, Ross Costanzo was another, that they brought in. Didn't lose anything in terms of quality. And in the end, that's why they're top of the pile. Um, because they're the best team in Canberra.
0: And when I was looking at the sports DG stats, you mentioned uh, Nico Oida there. I think he got like three goals in five games or something. So it was he a pretty did, yeah. So pretty good the- for him uh, there in the end. And before we uh, move on to Canberra Croatia, what uh, do you know any more about the FFA, uh, FFA Cup round of 32 match against Apia? Uh, when that's bound to be scheduled at the moment? And if you've talked to Ryan, what would their... Um, Plans are going to be in terms of getting ready for that, because obviously everyone's in lockdown at the moment. So,
2: Well, the tricky thing they've got, of course, is that this time of season, people start looking at other clubs. Uh, Lachlan Griffiths, of course, is uh, we know this sign for Rockdale Illenden. uh, So he's gone. Um, So he's probably not going to be around for that FFA Cup tie unless they can come up to some sort of agreement. Maybe that's part of the deal that he's going to stay for that FFA Cup tie. But when is it? Um, How do they get together before that? Do they arrange some friendly games? Where they're going to find that opposition uh, to play? Um, It's it's a really tricky one for Ryan and his group. He's got to keep them engaged, and he's got to keep them happy for a period of time. We don't know how long. Um, And then and then perform against a very very good outfit from New South Wales. It's a really hard task for them right now. And and depending on on who's around still or what they're going to be doing, it's almost an impossible task. And you can't prepare until you know when it's going to happen and they're not going to know when it's going to happen until lockdown ends and we don't know how long that's going to be. So it's, it's an incredible to feel that we're going to have a competition starting. Is it tomorrow um, or Wednesday? Uh, the FA Cup kicks off and we don't know when the round of 32 matches involving our teams are going to be played.
0: It certainly is uh, going to be interesting in that regard. The best of luck to tie is as they try to prepare for something that they don't know when the start date will be.
1: Camp Croatia finished second uh in the MPL one uh, this season behind the champions, uh, Tigers FC. And I just want to extend my congratulations uh, to Tigers FC. They were fantastic um, uh, this season. So uh, well done to them, uh, the players and Ryan Grogan, um, because they were exceptional. Uh, But nevertheless, um, Canberra Croatia finished uh, runners-up. They were the charity uh, Shield winners. Uh, They also had a runner-up league, uh, top goal scorer in Daniel Barrack, who led the line uh, all season long. Uh, he finished with uh, nine goals uh, as well. Uh, the they were obviously uh, champions in uh, two thousand twenty, and we, we talked about how great uh, they were in twenty twenty, and but unfortunately this season uh, they, they weren't able to back that up. And whether that's a obviously it's a debate for another day, uh, given the the COVID implication ending the season that we've just uh, been dissecting momentarily. Like most seasons, they more or less start uh, on the front foot, and like you guys uh, talked about uh, in that early clash that they had uh, with Tigers, um, how good they looked, Um, and you know uh, uh, certainly at that point you thought that it was possibly a foregone conclusion that Canberra Croatia were just going to yeah set away from from all the uh, other opposition and, and defend the. League crown, but that's not what ended up happening. And you know, obviously, uh, Tigers just obviously built a, a crazy amount of momentum throughout the season and and thoroughly deserved um, their their top spot. But um, it, I think, it completely shot Canberra FC's. I mean, sorry, Canberra Croatia's confidence, um, especially when they experienced uh, that three match losing uh, streak. Um, and I think that was pivotal. Uh, obviously, when you look at the league table and how that finished with Tigers FC being ahead by three points, uh, obviously with the game in hand, but that losing those three matches on the bounce for Camera Croatia ultimately um, played a massive role uh, in them not being able to uh, catch up uh, to Tigers. Um, so they'll be massively disappointed, obviously, with, with that. Um, I think they managed to win their next... Uh, two games after that three-game losing run, but it was just a case of too little, too late, given the current uh, circumstances. Uh, Russ, what did you make of Canberra uh, Croatia's uh, season? They obviously started uh, like a house on fire. They they were fantastic. And like I mentioned, I think that losing run that they endured um, played a massive role uh, in, the, in the conclusion uh, of where uh, they, they finished up.
2: Yeah, it wasn't their most fluent season, was it? I mean, but the pressure was on them to repeat from last year. And it's always hard when you become the hunted. Um, and, and I think their performances last season were exceptional. They, they struggled in parts this year and um, they struggled, I think, to find a, a formation to fit all their players in. They've got some really good quality there. We know what they've got there. We know that they've got really good players. They'll be disappointed the way it ended. And I think they were, they were feeling that they could have caught Tigers FC, there was plenty of time left for them to, to get a run of form in. and we all know that Canberra Croatia end the season genuinely in, in good shape, and they're always there or thereabouts. Individually, I thought Sam Brown had a good season in goal. Matt Gerderbisher was Matt Gerderbisher, wasn't he? He was, he yeah. was in the referee's ear as normal and throwing himself around and making challenges, and, and we love to see it. Um, Danny Colbert Adder wasn't quite as influential as he was last year. I think he had some things going on off the field, which um, maybe um, was made him lose a bit of focus, which is understandable. Of course, these are amateur footballers we're discussing here. They've got lives outside of, of the uh, rectangle that they play on. Going forward, masses of options, much like the Tigers. Um, it was good to see as well. But, uh, yeah, just something wasn't quite right with them. Um, most experienced comp- team in the competition. Some of the most experienced players in the competition, some of the best players in the competition. Got it right in 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 most games, you know they might look back now and go, well that comp, that three that one nil loss to the Wanderers when they were forced to field a, a weakened side is possibly what's cost them the title based on uh, where we're at right now. Had they won that game, they would have been probably three points and a couple of goals better off. it might have been them we're talking about as being top of the pile, so they weren't far off. Um, can they get their players back next season to do it again? Will Thomas James be around? Will he be on the park to uh, to to show us the skills he's got because Notwithstanding the uh, the incident that happened um, during the season, his ability is is second to none, and we love to see him play football. Nick Toneski's now gone back to to um, play for Sutherland up in Sydney, so he'll be a miss for them next year as well. But they're Canberra Croatia. Uh, they've got good backing behind them. They've got a good coach in Dean New Greenwich, and they'll be there or thereabouts again next year. I've no doubt about it. Although ending without any silverware, Charity Shield, perhaps doesn't really count in their books. Um,
1: Not what they wanted. No, no, I think you touched on it just before we move on uh, to you, Matt. um, I think that uh, they've always recruited really well as well, Canberra, Croatia. Uh, So even though you mentioned there, Tomeski, going back to Sydney to play, um, we can expect next season for them to make um, some really strong moves. I mean, they've always done it. So um, I expect a big comeback uh, season for Canberra, uh, Croatia next time around. Matt, um, on to you for Gungahlin.
0: Yep. We are straight on to Gangalan in third place and sort of, they started the season in sort of, you know, uh, different fortunes to what Canberra Croatia started the season, like you mentioned there, Michael. But before we get into that, they had the league top goal scorer in Felipe Bernabeu Madrid with 13 goals. And I mentioned there that Gungahlin had a slow start to the season. They only one, One game in their first six matches, if I'm not mistaken, and that one game was a win against West Canberra to start the season. But for me, probably, I think for them, their season turned around when they won that, when they had that big one nil victory over Canberra Croatia. They sort of, you could really see the table start to turn there. And before that, I mentioned heaps this season, but they had... Didn't have full ninety minute performances. I had like thirty minute performances here, second half performances there. Like, and I'm talking about really good ones. Like that half an hour against Olympic. I keep saying that the first couple of matches of the season, uh, I think that was like like the best half an hour I've seen any of the sides play. Um, they were that they were that good in that one. So for them, it was about finding that ninety minute consistency, and they really found it. I feel after they beat Canberra Croatia one uh, 0 in, I think it was the seventh round of the season mm-hmm. and once that happened they moved on from there they they turned into the Ganga United that we we saw over the last couple of seasons Bernabeu Madrid was on fire that all their experienced players leading the line and I guess what Ganga United had up their sleeves which uh, some other clubs uh, didn't have was the amount of youth they could bring o- o- off from the bench. Uh, if a game wasn't going well, they could bring youth off the bench and sort of change their lineup and change uh, their style. And a lot of the youth were able to uh, provide something different uh, when things weren't going well for them on the field. So there's a lot to work on there for Marcel and Chris Caggiano, And I feel like they were getting into their best form. So it would have been interesting to see how Gangalan would have finished the season come finals time because it really seemed like they were hitting their stride. What do you think of Akin uh, this season? Ross, definitely a strong end to the season for them.
2: Yeah, I think they were one loss in eight to end the campaign when it got curtailed. And I think that says all that you need to know, really. I think the whole start to the season was down to the fact that a huge turnover in personnel at that squad. Uh, a lot of the experienced players that Marcel Munoz had put together for the truncated season last year, which didn't happen, and um, from the season before as well, they, they they've all let, they left and left him with a, a really raw group of young young players, which I think stepped up to the plate. So I was very impressed by some of the performances that they had. They were dealt a really cruel blow early on, weren't they, when Jack Green. Um, injured himself and to lose his experience you wonder where they were going to go with that and it did take them a while to to recover from that blow but Buddy Abbas stepped up to the plate and was absolutely magnificent in defence um, with, with Ryan Galevsky and Jacob Kite came on in leaps and bounds this year as well. Uh, the reintroduction of Nick Rathjen after after the start of the season he came into his form a little bit later on as well and that's a big bonus for Marcel and his group and I think they had the best front three in the competition, to be, to be fair. Felipe Bernardo Madrid, um, scoring every week. Michael John creating havoc. Mishko Domoski, probably the best left-sided player in the competition, um, even though he's getting on a bit now. the uh, Almost an old man, isn't he? Mishko, he's been around for a long, long time. Still got it, though. Looks as fit as a fiddle. And, and, and that front three gave them a huge amount of quality. And when they weren't available, they brought in young Moses Garang. And I was quite impressed what I saw from him, not just for the fact that he was physical. He scored goals didn't mind leaving his foot in and he didn't mind getting involved in a bit of argy-bargy as well, which you like to see in your center forwards. They don't want to be pushed around. and you, you hit the nail on the head, Matt. It was that game against Canberra, Croatia. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had the young boys out there and they stood toe-to-toe with a very experienced side, a very experienced champion team. Yes, they rode their luck on occasions. Yes, they did. But everybody does when you play those kind of games. But when you beat the champions and, and you keep a clean sheet, the belief starts to flow through the team. And I've no doubt that Marcel Munoz um, had them in that changing room going, if we can do it against Canberra Croatia here, we can do it against anybody. you just got to believe in yourselves. And I think that young group of players he's got there, we've already seen one of them, Miguel Goncalves, off to Sydney FC. Um, (laughs) A a, a Fantastic talent. We only saw glimpses of him in the Premier League. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about him in the future. Keep the most together next year and, and fill in a few gaps. They'll be there about thereabouts. And as you said, they were coming into some good form heading into that final series, which I mentioned at the top of the broadcast is one of the disappointing reasons that we're not going to see a final series because I thought Marcel and his team were coming good in what was trying circumstances at the start of the year.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Miguel there. I believe he scored an absolute cracker in one of his 23s matches at the AAS that Andy Bernal posted on his Instagram. What an absolutely terrific strike that was. Congratulations to him. It's great to see that after these lockdowns, whatnot, Canberra talents are getting... Uh, their opportunity once again in the NPL competitions, and I guess for them as well, what will be a boost next year, I'm assuming, is that Jack Green should be back uh, fit and ready to go for the next season. Uh, any other, any other last words or what do you expect from uh, Gunggall in the off season, Russ? I know it's a bit hard to predict uh, off seasons here in Canberra, but
2: well, I, I hadn't heard on the grapevine that we were going to get Jack Green back for finals. Um, he was coming through his injury, and he was going to be ready for finals, which would have been a huge boost to oh, that squad—a squad in form as well. You bring him back into it, all of a sudden, you're not riding them off as contenders to win the thing. Uh, so you can only hope that he comes back next season as well as he has done. I mean, one of the most consistent players we've ever seen in Canberra, and he, every week he gives you a, a great performance. And uh, nothing—it's a bit early to be talking about off season, but I'm sure Marcel Munoz is looking at his lineup with, with his coaching staff there and going, "Well, where can we, where can we strengthen? What can we do?" But like you said enviable amount of young talent coming through that ranks of Gondalyn United and the, the, the players that perhaps you wouldn't expect stepped up when, when brought on um, Ethan Stamatis for example at the start of the season he was a bit part player for Belcon United last year but he came across and he was almost a go-to for them off the bench nearly every single week he was their first sub and when you get those kind of players kicking on and, and, and another season under their belts as well um, could be quite interesting next year.
0: Yeah and Roy as well, I, I thought is another yes. one that impressed me. Yeah. He scored some absolutely terrific goals, and I believe they brought on, I brought Leon Mickle as well from Belco near the end there. So they have probably one of the best balances probably between youth and um, seniors in the competition. All right, moving on to fourth place, Michael. Who do we have in fourth place?
1: Yeah, we have the Monero Panthers, uh, Matt. Uh, obviously, they finished uh, runners up in that FFA Cup uh, qualifying uh, final. Uh, So they were ever so close to progressing uh, to that next stage of the FFA Cup round of 32, but that was obviously taken up by the Tigers. Um, I think this obviously proved to be one of their better seasons in, in recent memory, uh, especially with the appointment of Frank Keisha and the expectation that was placed on Monero before the start of the season. And especially when you started to learn of the players that he had acquired, uh, through uh, different clubs, uh, you know, with the likes of uh, Dominici, uh, Kofi Danning, uh, Tim Bobblers, the Habdamerian brothers, uh, Tom McLaughlin, just to name uh, a few of those uh, additions that had come into the Monero team for this season. And uh, I remember, you know, at the start of the season, we were touting them to, you know, have a, have a big season and to finally, you know, capture that top four uh, finals berth that we had been expecting of them. Uh, for a while, they just had been lacking that quality uh, to do so in, in previous times. And, you know, um, I thought, like it seems to be the narrative at the moment with some of the teams that we've talked about, I think Monero started, obviously, the season um, pretty slow. Uh, but once they sort of got out of that rut, I think as the season obviously progressed, uh, they, got, they got better and better. And, um, you know, they won four of their last... Uh, five matches and I think you said Russ that they had only lost one game in their last sort of seven so um, they were in a great run of form and I think at that point they had finally bought into what Frank Keisha his ideas and philosophy around how they wanted to play because I think it was really obvious at the start of the season that they just weren't clicking and when you have so many players that come in and you have a new coach it's just going to take a little bit of time to adapt and I think it was just a perfect case of them just going through that feeling out process, getting used to playing with one another. And then they really hit their stride and obviously secured. um, Well, they were in that fourth spot um, when the season was uh, drawn to a close. So um, they were in fantastic form uh, in this latter, latter end of the season. Um, And I I felt as though there was a definite sort of feel good factor around sort of Riverside uh, this season uh, that I, and like I mentioned before, that that just hasn't been around, that sense of optimism and a, a good team out on that um, out on that pitch at Riverside. So, I mean, they had a lot to look forward to, a lot of positives I uh, feel to take out uh, in, in 20, 2021 and take into 2022. So, Russ, my question to you is just how much confidence can Monero take out of what they were able to do uh, this season in their 17 games? they can take into uh next season because obviously they finished in fourth spot and they almost uh qualified for the ffa cup um so how how do you think they'll go from what they were able to to do this season and take that into next season
2: it all depends on the recruitment and retention doesn't it really with frank there i mean like does for every club. Um, he'll like to build on what he's got there if he can keep the majority of the players and strengthen in certain areas. And they had the horror start that you mentioned. I think it was four points from the first 21 or something. And yeah. you know, but if you cast your minds back to to our preview show, which was when we were all had shorter hair because we were allowed to go and have a haircut, um, yeah. back in back whenever a lifetime ago it was. I had a shave for this specifically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, it does seem like a lifetime ago that we were talking pre-season, but we mentioned exactly that you bring a coach in, you bring new players, and it's going to take a fair few weeks to gel. It doesn't matter if they're the best players in the competition or, 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 or the best players in the world. It's going to take a while for them to gel, and I think we were finally seeing that as the season came to its conclusion. They had some really good spells, didn't they? Like you said, they got to the FFA Cup final. I know Frank had a plan for the FFA Cup final, blown out the window after about 35 seconds, wasn't it? They went 1-0 down early on, and all of a sudden, best laid plans go to, wait, to, go to rest. Good performances this season. I thought Josh Calabria um, was excellent for um, great performance defensively. Tim bobbles as, as well was very good. Um, going further forward, Sammy Roseparkin had some really um, exciting spells of football. We saw him getting box to box, using his energy and dynamism to get up and down, <clears throat> which was which was really good. And um, going forward, they had they had their their quality, didn't they? They had Dominici. He had his spells. Jeremy Hamsamaren had his spells. Um, so did young Seb Woods off the bench. I think what they need is to get all those spells into a more consistent basis. Um, they need to be delivering on a more consistent basis, and I think we were seeing that in the last four or five rounds. Again, we did Matt before the lights went off on the season, metaphorically and literally, literally uh, the Riverside. Um, <laughs> it was it was it was an omen at the time. We should have looking back. We should have uh, taken it as an omen that that was it. Curtains coming <laughs> down. Lights are off. <coughs> Um, someone, someone must have known what was going on, uh, but they played really well in that game and, and they were, they looked like they were going to win it um, at one 0 till, till the uh, brilliant goal from Nico Oida. And you compare that to what they showed us at the start of the season, when they were fairly drubbed in that first round game against Canberra Olympic, it was chalk and cheese. Um, and I think next season will be the same again. Again, really depends. We're going to be sat here, no doubt in March, uh, looking at pre-season for next year, talking about new squads, new players, um, Lots of young boys at that under-23s grade in the Panthers that you guys will know better than I would. Uh, young Bo Harvey, for example, I saw play a couple of times. Very impressed by him. Is he going to be around next year? Can he make the step up? And there's plenty more in that 23s that look good. Your young James Driscoll, who uh, tinkered with first grade the season before last and, and got a couple of appearances this year. So I think the the, the main point with, the, with Panthers is, if you look at their team they put out in round one and the bench that Frank had compared to the bench he had at that Tigers game, all of a sudden we've got hardened um, NPL players sat on that bench. We've got players that have played many games sat on that bench compared to the callousness of youth that they had in the first round. And I think that was a difference in the end. And fourth spot, would they have stayed there? They would have had a good chance to, I think. Um, Balcon, on which we'll talk about in a minute, we'll obviously have something to say about that. But they were there or thereabouts. And again, one of the reasons why I think a team stacked full of match winners and on their day, would have been a match for anybody in the final series.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Matt, moving on to uh, fifth place.
0: Yeah, before we move on to Belcon, I just wanted to mention one play play there as well. Ben Bass's silk is one that really impressed me. I think whenever, especially whenever he came off the bench, uh, he always played well when he started as well. When he came off the bench, I felt like he really had something to prove. And it seemed like that through his performances, they were even better than when he started, even though his performances were pretty good when he started as well. And, yeah, I, I echo your sentiments about Calabria, I just, not just defensively as well, moving forward. He was, he was, he was the need, leader they needed to drag them out of that rut at the start of the season, scoring goals, performing for the world defensively. And I mentioned several times in the show, but Sam Ross Barkin was absolutely pivotal in that midfield. That's when it really started to change, yeah. for them. when he came in midfield from fullback and started sort of doing the dirty work off the ball. Because every every team sort of needs that. Uh but yeah. Uh, moving on to Belcon in fifth place. Before well,
2: we, I was going to say, Matt. Sorry, before you do, just um, you make a very good point there because that that brings me back to what we were talking about before about numbers twelve to eighteen in your squad, and we saw that a lot this season. I think for oh, the yeah. first time in a long time, I can I can look at a lot of clubs that when they made substitutions, those substitutes made a a real impact on the game. Um, and that hasn't necessarily been the season in the past. Not just talking about Panthers here, though. I'm talking about other clubs as well. You know, that uh, Canberra Croatia, for example, Tigers. Everybody uh, bringing players off the bench and making impact. And that's what you want as a coach. And, and it's been very noticeable this year.
0: Certainly has. And, yeah, in terms of Belcon United fifth place, before we start talking about the team, uh, we'd like to congratulate, uh, congratulate Fab Macelli, who has accepted a role at Western Sydney Wanderers under-16s. Best of luck, Fab. Congratulations there. And Belconnen have wasted no time. They've already announced their replacement for Fab, and that is Michael Zakowski taking over the NPL one-side next season. Michael Zakowski of course, most recently coached NPLW Belconnen to runners-up this season, and they won the charity Shield. And he also, in 2020, also coached the uh, the Olympics uh, under 23 squad to first place in the league, I believe as well. So best of luck to Michael for next season. Balcony United has strong start to the season, uh, where they were competing in the four for quite a while. They also had a great victory against Canberra creation round five. Unfortunately for them though, that's where it started to sort of go downhill from them. Uh, they, didn't, they weren't able to get another victory until round 14. So that is, you know, from round five to 14, it's quite a big, big stretch there. But at least for them, at least they got some draws in there during that rut. So they were able to get a few points to accumulate. And then as we've discussed with the Monaro and the Gangalan, there is that Balcona weren't too far off in the end. So at least those draws when they were in the rut helped them, you know, get into a position where they were still fighting for that four. Oh, and only being two points off Manara in that case. Uh, and so for Belconum, we I mentioned it all there, but it was sort of an interesting season there. We weren't able to find the consistency that they would have liked Russ, But But at the end, like I mentioned, only two points off that four. What did you make of Belconum this season?
2: Yeah, it started off well, didn't they? And then the goals dried up. And I think only um, Turbolong and West Canberra Wanderers probably... Uh, uh long and uh, was it West Canberra no it was yes it was scored less than them in, in 2021 and um, they got 21 goals to their name and and, and I think uh, if memory says me right it was eight in the last something like eight or nine games and four of them were in one game so the goals dried out they were hard to beat as, as as we thought they would be very experienced defensively Fablen on the um the experience of the back there Brought through some good young boys. I thought um, Christian crescas had a standout year this year for them. Scored some nice goals, including that one at Deakin Stadium. Um, Luca Flores didn't quite kick on from last year. Didn't quite have the impact that he did, but I'm sure he'll come back stronger next year as well. Uh, Darren Bailey was probably one of the pick of their players again, wasn't he? But both ends of the park, um, they chucked him up front as a as as a striker occasionally, and he came up with the goods. Um, They chucked him in the back and he came up the goods as well. I think it was a funny old season for Fab and his team because sometimes you look at them and you go, they look really strong. And other times you're looking at them going, well, they're going to be here all day and they can't score. Um, But I think that was uh, down to a lot of the way that they played the game. And it's going to be an interesting dynamic next year for Michael Sikorsky to come into that group and, and see what he brings with him, whether he's going to go looking for some younger players, whether the more experienced players... Um, we'll stick around. I'm talking about people like Zach Mabry, who played really well last year. Taylor Beaton um, stepped back up. Dustin Wells, is he going to go around again? There's a lot of older heads in that team, but there's some real quality. Um, it was hard to put your finger on why. It just wasn't working for them going forward. When you look at the group that they've got up there, they brought Curtis Schaefer in, um, perhaps didn't have the impact that he would have wanted uh, from the start. They used him as an impact substitute. And they brought through young Max Green, who I thought was uh, 10 appearances off the bench, I think it was. And he was quite impressive um, as a young striker. So they've got plenty of good youth coming through as well. Building that dynamic next year is going to be really interesting for them. But this year they were on the cusp of the four and they weren't that far behind the Panthers. Um, they They had some good games coming up towards the end of the season as well. So they would have thought that they could have turned that form around. But as you said, it kind of tailed off after a good start, didn't it? Yeah,
0: it did. And we didn't even mention um, uh, the McCaws there either. So it it proves like they had, they definitely had the players to mount a finals push if they ended up in that four. And you mentioned Luke Flores there as well. Uh, Yeah, he wouldn't have got as many goals as he would have liked, but he did have a different sort of position um, in Fab's role. Fab doesn't usually play with the two up front like he played, like um, Flores played with uh, McCaw earlier, like the previous season. Uh, he more played like four, sort of a 4-2-3-1 where he was on the wing. So Flores is more in that creating role. And I thought he did a very good job in that creating role. It's going to be interesting, that, like you mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see where Zakowski fits in these players. I'm sure he'll have a space for Max Green as well, who's been very good. Zakowski likes to bring through the youth. We saw that, obviously, he's been doing that for a while with his under-23 sides. But we saw that this season with MPLW, with uh, he brought in Riley Ewan, 16, 15-year-old. Uh, she scored quite a few goals for them. He really likes to bring through the youth, so it's going to be interesting to see how he, like you mentioned there, how he mixes that mm. with senior heads there. And considering he has quite a few links, I'm sure he won't have any uh, problems filling filling out the spaces in that squad if there is any spaces to be filled up by season's end.
2: Uh, my- you mentioned that. Sorry, sorry you mentioned the sorry, you mentioned the Flores one as well. I did score a. Fantastic hat trick against Canberra Olympic. To okay. be fair to the lad as well, one of only a few hat tricks last year, and uh, I thought he took his goals in that game exceptionally well. He showed us what he's capable of in that one, so he was coming into form towards the end of the year. We had that last last year where he was going he had to miss a hard one, an easy one, before he scored an absolute worldie. Um and uh, perhaps he needs to get back into that vein again, and I just want to say thank you from a personal note to Fab for all his help this year um, in helping us um, promote the game and getting squads to us very early and, and and what you guys wouldn't see and what people don't see out there is that Fab would send me his team, but he wouldn't just send me his team he'd send me a little um, description about how they've been training and what they've been doing and that kind of thing, which was really useful for us in terms of behind the scenes information that we can use and while players weren't selected and why they were injured and that, it was great, and we wish them all the best at West Sydney Wanderers and Looking forward to seeing how Michael zakowski adapts to mpl one next year. I'm sure it'll be a fun ride.
0: Yeah, I okay. echo the same sentiments uh, about Fab as well. Uh, Michael, next up, we have West Campbell Wanderers in sixth place. Yeah,
1: and uh, obviously, first and foremost, uh, their coach, Ulysses uh, De Silva, uh, left the club. Uh, he's moving to the uh, Gold Coast, so best of luck uh, to Yuli. Um, I remember uh, catching up with him uh, before uh, the, the start of the season. I've um, met up with him on, on a few occasions and um, a really nice a really nice person uh, and, a, and a great coach. So uh, best of luck uh, to him uh, in Queensland uh, first and foremost, in, in West Canberra Wanderers season, uh, a bit of an up and down uh, season for West Canberra. Uh, I thought they started the year fantastically well. Uh, as they were at one point, you know, top of the league, and they were in that, you know, they were, had cemented themselves in that in uh, the top four uh spots, and uh, they, they were putting in uh, some absolutely fantastic displays. And it re- had really seemed that uh, Ulysses had gotten the best out of his players at that very early uh, stage of the season. Uh, they just seemed to click, uh, when there may have been sort of just question marks around how good the team was going to be. And there was that narrative around, you know, them being the underdogs and how he didn't want that title uh, for the team. But um, as the season went on, results just became harder and harder to come by um, for West Canberra. And, you know, they finished off with five losses uh, in a row before um, the season was cut. Uh, And, and that very, torturous run of form obviously put them outside uh, the, the top four and it it just wasn't how they were obviously hoping to finish the season after starting it so brilliantly um, putting in some excellent uh, performances uh, to then you know on the flip side of that once you know one or two results just didn't go their way then they really seemed to you know fall in a rut and we mentioned earlier about Canberra, uh, Croatia, and that three-match losing skit that they went on and how costly that proved to be. I think that in this case, those losses for West Canberra Wanderers obviously hurt their top four chances. And it and they just slowly, as the season went on, started going down and down the ladder. And they just couldn't recover uh, from that, uh, which will obviously disappoint uh, Ulysses. Um, as I was... Uh, obviously, he would have wanted to cement that top four uh, position. But uh, given the circumstances and the fact that he's now leaving, I'm sure it's going to leave a bit of a sour taste in his mouth that he wasn't able to at least cement a top four position. But like we've said, there were still plenty of games to play and you never quite know or could predict what was going to happen from that moment onwards. But nevertheless, um, they played well in stages uh, this season. Russ, what did you make uh, of the Wanderers' Uh, this season uh like i said they were in the top four um for that period of time they started the season really well but then as it as it went on they just got themselves in a hole that they just couldn't seem to get themselves out of
2: again i' will put you back to the preview show and we sat there in 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 uh in the cafe and, and going well who's going down and we thought our wanderers probably going down looking at their squad yeah. they're not strong enough to be uh, to to cope with the competition then they went into round one they lost four-one at home to Gungarlan United. We all went, went went home, wrote it in our form books, and nodded sagely to ourselves in the mirror, going, "Don't we know about football in Canberra?" And then five weeks later, we're burning those form books in our garden because we have no idea, because Yuli's built a squad that's romping away with the league title, and it was brilliant. Um, and it was great to watch, wasn't it? And yeah. it, players that he brought in and players that um <clears throat> that were on the fringes last year and had stepped up to the plate. Shay Thornton was magnificent. Gabe Cole was magnificent in that midfield. Jackson Paisler as well, Marco Yadrich. That midfield was superb for them. They found um, Sebastian Espina, um, Colombian forwards, and and he came in and added something different up front. They got Mason Interlandy in goals, and, and they're back four. Um, even though they had injury to Adam DeFranceschi at the start of the year, Seamus Carr dropped into centre back. Conor Bill was outstanding last year, so you know it was just one of those things, wasn't it? Where we all thought they might struggle, and and they've gone and slapped us around the face, and gone. Well, what do you know, guys? Um, and 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 we were happy to set back and go. Well, I'm I'm happy to watch this because this is a breath of a breath of fresh air. And Yuli's team was good to watch. By the time, I don't know how much of a, it was might have been complacency, or they were found out half. Way through the season but they'd had the points on the board by then didn't they and and they never looked in any serious danger about being the team that was going to go down so maybe they took their off the ball a little bit mm. and ironically having not been able to score for the first five or six rounds last year or well, the first five rounds last year they got a bucket full in the first first half of the season and then it dried up in the second half of the season so you couldn't really predict it but by that stage it was okay for them and yeah, you mentioned Yuli moving on again. I'll echo the comments I made about Fab. What a great bloke to work with and, and to help out and stuff. And look, whoever comes in to fill into him has not only got some amazing shoes to fill in, they've also got to uh, step up to the plate as we're losing the best-dressed coach cam- uh, in Canberra, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely classic. And I'm just being joined by my daughter here, so... <laughs> yeah, she's a bit guest. sad. Did <laughs> you fell off a bike today. Oh, um, no. But yeah, I think they were um, very, very good um, this season and um, I'm hoping the next season that they can kick on again and whoever does step into that team um, will be able to to keep a lot of them together. My th- thoughts are they might lose a few because um, mm-hmm. the bigger clubs in inverted commas might come poaching for some of those players because I think there's a, a lot of quality in that team and I can, we only hope for a, for a really competitive comp- uh, Woden, West, Woden Weston. West Canberra Wanderers next
0: season as well. Next up, we got Olympic. But before I do, I just wanted to mention one player there as well that really impressed me coming off the bench for West Canberra was Zedan Mutlu. I thought he was very lively coming off the bench. And if he's still at Wanderers next season, I'm sure he'll cement himself a starting place. He was very impressive. And like I mentioned, next up... Oh, and also, yeah, uh, my uh, congratulations and thanks out to your sister Silva... Uh, best of luck in Gold Coast and you mentioned it there he was definitely the best dressed coach in Canberra so I wonder who's going to step up to fill that void next up seventh place Canberra Olympic runners-up they also had a runner-up uh, league top goal scorer as well in Isosa Rehege with nine goals little quick side note there I'll show you one of my mates uh, the highlights once of um, all the matches of one of the rounds and he doesn't keep up with the Canberra game too much, but he pointed out Isosa Rahegi as the player that he um, that stood out to him the most. And yeah, it'll, it'll be a bit surprising actually if he doesn't make that team of the year. He was an absolute standout for Olympic uh, this season. And we've mentioned how it's sort of like a balance between teams that started very well and, st- and didn't start too well. Olympic was one of those ones that started very well. Of course, mm-hmm. had big wins over Manara and Conan in their first two rounds. So, and they were coming into the season where they lost quite a few of their core players that had been there for a very, very long time. And they started with a new a crop of new young players. Robbie Katnack was very happy and very uh, excited to start with uh, new young players. Uh, but he did mention throughout the season when I, when I had a, my interview with him, which you can see on the Facebook pages, he said, with young players and a lot of them, uh, you're you're bound to see some inconsistency. Uh, that's why, because, because when... Olympic clicked, they clicked. Uh, Russ and I did a few games uh, specifically on commentary where they really clicked um, when they did well. So there's a lot of players that uh, stood out there from the youngsters like Crawford and Allen and of course their experienced center backs in uh, sorry defenders in Vitaker and, and Forst as well. so there was a lot going on there. Uh, and then of course they brought back Constantino in goals near the end of the season. And Christus, I thought, did very, very well in goals to start the season as well. So there was a lot going on there. And Robbie Katnack said it's just going to take a bit of time, but there is going to be some inconsistency. So I think if you can keep those core group of players there, especially the youngsters and the Heggy and, and Forst and Vidicom and whatnot, I think they're going to have something to build on next season because when they clicked, they clicked. What did you think of uh, Olympic this season, Russ?
2: Two sides, weren't they? Jekyll and Hyde, Canberra Olympic. There was a the Canberra Olympic that got battered by Canberra Croatia, got beat by Tigers comfortably, got beat by Belconnen comfortably. And then there was a the Canberra Olympic that went to Deakin and won 5-1, um, which was an incredible scoreline. And um, they, as you said quite rightly, Robbie Katnach, um knows his players very well. And, and that inconsistency was there. Um, very impressed with some of them, though. Like you mentioned, I said, it's nine goals for him. Um, nine goals in nine games. Yeah, he scored he didn't score a double all season the most consistent goal scorer in the competition the pace was um, insane insane yes pace. it was it was incredible and and that's a consistency that we've been looking for from isosso for a number of years we know the talent he's got We know how good he is, but it's too often in the past he's drifted in and out of games and we don't know what we were going to get out of him. This year, we got a bit more consistency out of him and he's got the ability to step up again next season. Very impressed with Jimmy Crawford alongside him as well. Probably the most hardworking centre forward in the competition, uh, Daniel Barach, notwithstanding, because he puts a fair shift in as well. And he started to score goals towards the end of the year as well. He was finding the target. Having Daniel Lindstedt back after his um, hip injury was a big boost for them, Um, alongside Nick Faust. Nick Faust was outstanding um, defensively for Canberra Olympic. And they brought in some players. And again, we looked at it at the start of the season. And and again, they were one of the sides we thought might struggle. We were looking at players across their group, mainly because they were players we hadn't seen. Alan James, Tapar Ringy, some Rowan Jones. They weren't really known as MPL one players. But Robbie Kavnach and his team coaching staff took a, a, a gamble on these boys. Um, and they've repaid him, and they've repaid him well and like, much like West Canberra Wanderers, they were never really in any danger of dropping down because they got the points on the board early doors. Um, and we saw um, Ans Constantinou back in nets as well for his seven millionth game uh, for Canberra Olympic over the course of his career. But it's good to see him back as well. Seventh place though, in the long run for Canberra Olympic is not where they want to be. Um, that's two times now in in the last two seasons. 2020 obviously being a very weird season where we only had the, the eight rounds, but they've missed the top four. Um, they're not used to being a, a bottom four side. They're not used to being seventh on the ladder. Can they go out into the transfer market now and recruit some names to bolster that squad to help those young boys tick on? Do they want to do that? How's the balancing act for Robbie Catnatch now? I know their board are keen to bring some extra players in because they want to be back at the top of the table. They want to be back where they feel they belong. It's going to be a good off-season for them. It's going to be an interesting one as well because whilst they... Fits and starts, they were good. They need to kick on and do that more consistently.
0: Yeah, and one player um, I've got to mention there as well that I thought stood out whenever he came on. Also, from the ones we didn't mention, was Chris Ray as well. Uh, He started to come off the bench near the end of 2020 and this year. He put in in his shifts when he came on and he did did quite well, um, in my opinion. So it'll be interesting to see how... Like Best
2: first goals as well, didn't yeah,
0: he? True, and like you mentioned, they don't—they're not used to being outside of the top four, and so it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of build themselves in this off season. And who did we have uh, Michael in eighth place?
1: Yeah, so eighth place we had Tobogon United, uh, which obviously resulted in them being the side relegated to MPL two next season. I mean, it was quite a disastrous season for Mitch Stevens and uh, his players as they all as they struggled all season long and I think through the seven teams that we've just talked about, we've had stages where they've said they've either started well and they've uh, finished rather poorly um, or um, the opposite vice versa. They, they went through that stage at least one part of the season where they played well and then the other stage where they didn't play well. For Tuggerong United, it was just the case from start to finish, it not going well uh, all season long, which was a real shame uh, because we know uh, how good of a side they can be under Mitch Stevens, how hardworking they are. And unfortunately, that just didn't turn into results uh, out on the pitch. Um, You know, they struggled to get points uh, all season long. Obviously, they only finished um, with seven um from 17 games uh which isn't um fantastic at all um you know they had those uh six hard fought draws in a row um and then I remember us talking throughout the season of you know uh, when it was sort of every week they were picking up those draws we were saying well surely you know they'll they'll turn it around next week and we'll see them get that Seem get that first victory they're they're trying hard they're working for each other and you'd think that after all that effort it would result in uh a more positive uh light but it it didn't just come uh to that fruition at all um you know they they endured 10 10 losses uh in in total from those uh 17 games uh this season i mean when you're accumulating um total losses in in that bracket, I mean, it, it's going to be hard for you to um, to stay up, uh, and as a result, it it just proved too much of a weight on their shoulders. Um, it's really unfortunate. Uh, like I mentioned, Mitch Stevens is a great guy. He's a great coach. Uh, he's been at Tuggeranong uh, for a long time. He was obviously the coach that uh, brought them uh, their first finals appearance in 2018 when they had had not been in it for the previous uh, 13. Um, Russ, we just dis- we discussed all season long um, about sort of that they were going to find it uh, difficult to find the back of the net. I think that was one of the constant features that we had brought up um, through numerous episodes. We were talking about where their goal source was going to come from, what players were going to be the ones to get in the final third and produce goals and put them in the back of the net. Uh, on a consistent basis Um, and eventually obviously the gap just got wider and wider with the teams uh, in front of them and it it just proved to be a case of too little too late for them to really turn things around and that's obviously now resulted in them um, being relegated uh, to MPL two.
2: Yeah I mean there's an old football cliche that the table doesn't lie and it doesn't lie Um, but sometimes it doesn't tell you the whole truth does it and they got seven points, uh, six draws in succession.
0: Yeah. Seven
2: draws in the season is a new NPL record. No one's ever drawn that many games before. They conceded 31 goals. 15 of those came in four matches. So in the other the other 13 games that they've played, they've only conceded 14 goals. Um, uh, sorry, 16 goals. Yeah. But the problem was the other end. 15 goals just tells the story. It's just not enough. And if they could have got a goal scorer that could have turned those points, those one points into three then all of a sudden they wouldn't have been where they were. But they didn't, and they are. Momentum. We talked about momentum all season. It was our word of the year, I think. Um, And Tuggeron just couldn't get it because every week those draws kept coming in. And I think the final nail in the coffin was when they went to West Canberra Wanderers. Put in a great first-half performance, came in at 1-1, and we thought, well, this is a game here. This is for the taking. This is three points in the bag. And for whatever reason, it capitulated. And it was probably the worst the United performance, I think I said at the time, that I'd seen in many years. Um, on the defensive side for them, a lot of young boys came in and stepped up. Incredibly, um, incredible performances from Harrison Bunel. He looks like an absolute star for the future. For mm-hmm. me, he looks absolutely brilliant. Um, I'd like to see him go further than the NPL, to be honest, if, he's, if he can. And his 16-year-old teammate, Therese Bogo, absolute monster. First season of Premier League football. He Looks made for it. Um, we'll look forward to seeing him next year as well. Mark Richards came into the team at the end of the year, the young boy, uh, to try and solve that goal scoring problem. And he got himself a couple of goals on the board. Um, and it looks like he might be a, d- a decent signing for further down the track. But it's an awful lot to ask a teenager to come in and bail you out when you're in that situation. And I think they were let down a little bit by the older heads in that group that that maybe weren't missing um when, when the going got a bit tough. And that's not the tug wrong way. Um, I think Mitch Stevens will look at it and I had many a long conversation with Mitch throughout the season I know him obviously very well and uh, with my Tuggeron connections as well in the past and left scratching his head wondering wondering where where it, where it it's going to come from where the win was going to come from and ultimately it didn't um, the good thing about Tuggeron United as a football club is they're a real community football club they've got those young boys and they've got that loyalty to Mitch now um, he's given them their debut in the season you've seen them in football at every level um, the loyalty to the coach that gives you your breakthrough can can be the the, the driving force to get you back to a club. We saw it um, in some respects with uh, with um, that Portuguese fella that signed for United in the week, um, name name <laughs> forgets me. Had a chat had a chat with his with his former coach, and that loyalty goes a long way to to driving people along. And I think that's what Togunon will will look for next season. And I think there'll be no panic stations with them. Um, they'll take the to MPL too they'll use that young group of boys and they'll, they'll give it a good fist to come back up. It's going to be hard. Um, and we don't like saying goodbye to the team, but we're going to get used to this because as long as this show goes and it might be episode 500 and, and we'll be talking still about teams getting relegated and who knows what will be back then. Someone's going to be the first and, and unfortunately it was them. And as I mentioned in the show back pre-season, I was involved in a Taggart along group that was relegated um, back in 2005. I think it was when I came out from the UK halfway through the season um, and we were in dire straits and we did our best to get out and missed out by a point and it's a dejecting feeling. Um, mm-hmm. This feeling would be even worse I think because you've been kicked out of a competition by not your own ability. They were going down I don't think there's anyone that's going to say look they would have got themselves out of that but to get relegated in a boardroom on a piece of paper it, it is even harder to take in. I'm not making excuses for them because they were going down they were going down they didn't have enough points um but I think it's disappointing for them that it's ended that way they would have liked to at least try to fight for the end um and gone and gone down on the football field but it wasn't to be and um, we wish them luck next year but um we're really looking forward to seeing O'Connor Knights adding a breath of fresh air to the competition as well and mirroring and his troops we did them on MPL2 I did a game with Andy Burnell, and it was a cracking atmosphere at, at High Street. And they're going to bring those fans, and they're going to bring that noise, and they're going to bring that passion. And uh, they're going to be a welcome addition to MPL One, and we're looking forward to it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Look, no, I I, I agree on uh, m- m- most of what you said there as well. You mentioned O'Connell. We'll mention them a little, obviously a little more in our MPL Two uh, review. But congrats to them. I'm really intrigued to see how they go, and I'm also. Obviously, it's unfortunate for Tuggeranong for them to be relegated, but like, you know, like someone needs to be. And but it does bring out some interesting, you know, matches um, next season. Of course, the Southern Derby with them and Brindabella in the Tuggeranong, you know, area, and then them mm-hmm. against, you know, Western Molonglo, and you know, so there's a few. Um,
2: Tugger on Bean's one
0: to watch out for oh, as well. well. They're, they're always good games to play. In. There's quite a few matches that we haven't seen for a while in terms of the senior competitions that I'm looking yeah. forward to see. But for me, it's going to be interesting to see who stays, who stays around. I'm not sure if Mitch Stevens is going to be there or not next season. But uh, if they do, I th- if he stays there, I do think they have a good chance of coming back up. But it is going to be tough. It's going to be difficult because we've got Queenbeyan knocking at the door. and you were only two points off O'Connor. Um, and we don't know how the season would have finished if uh, considering they those two need to play each other again. Uh, if white Eagles can um, sort out their coaching situation next season, then they, they will be in with a shout as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next season in that
2: regard. Okay. I, that's think our- I was going to say, Matt, I think on the Mitch Stevens thing, the only reason Mitch Stevens wouldn't be at on United next year is if Mitch Stevens doesn't want to be at on United next year, because um, their board and their president, they, they, great Mitch and they're they're sticking with him and they're behind him the whole way. So I think it, only he would make the decision to step down. I'm not getting any ed- get education that he will. Uh, he's a planner. He thinks ahead. He's probably already got in his mind how he's going to go about it next year. And um it'll be interesting to see how they cope with the with the change of environment.
0: It certainly will be uh that's us wrapped Vampio one absolute pleasure. Great episode and feels good. I, I'm not gonna lie, I felt a bit it felt a bit foreign when I was writing up my notes for this thing. Jeez, it's been ages. Like, have I forgotten everything? But then once we once we start talking again, it all just started clicking in our heads. You could tell.
1: It all just comes our,
0: back. Yeah, from our faces. Any last words, Michael, before we head off?
1: No, I think like I mentioned at the top of the show, it's just good to, you know, get back into the into the rhythm and um, talk, talk with you lads uh, about football and Canberra football. So, um, very excited. Um, that we were able to, to do this given the current um, circumstances. We know how tough it is at the moment, but uh, regardless, um, just happy to get an episode in. Uh, like you said, Matt, it felt a bit weird, you know, writing up the notes and then, you know, preparing um, when, when we went, uh, when, we, when we started uh, recording. So um, just getting, you know, used to that again uh, was a little strange at first, but um, I think, like you said, when you, when you start talking, um you know you, you, you fall back into the rhythm uh, relatively uh, quickly and we're all obviously very familiar uh, with each other we've done this numerous times um and it's like we haven't missed a beat so um no it was it was good to um get back and and do another episode uh with with you boys and um we still got some more episodes uh to do which is a which is a great sign a positive sign so uh looking forward to that and in the meantime, just hope that, um, you know, Man United keep winning and Inter keep winning. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure both those are correct. Uh, any last words, Russ?
2: Yeah, I just want to take this um, time to thank everybody from the clubs that were involved um that we did in NPR 1 this year, all the head coaches, all the team managers that helped out with statistics and everybody in the canteen that looked after us um, throughout the season with hot drinks and food and stuff. It's very much welcomed and... Um, we really enjoy doing these shows we really enjoy doing the commentary as well and it's great to talk to so many faces um, and if you see us around the grounds look honestly feel free to come over and say hello and have a chat um, we're very approachable people in the commentary box as well and um, not only that I want to say thanks to everybody out there that that listens to the podcast that that, that watches us do this and, and takes notes on board and I know there's a fair view that are out there and uh, we really appreciate the fact that you've got the passion for football that we do in Canberra. And I'd like to say thanks to everybody as well that follows me on Facebook and comments on my posts about football through the season and have been very complimentary to me in terms of commentary as well. And uh, let's hope we can, all, we can all kick on and do it again in 2022 at NPR One Level and the FFA Cup because uh, it's what we do, it's our passion and our vocation and we love it. And uh, thanks to everybody.
0: Indeed I echo their sentiments 100% and of course we've got two more episodes to go. we've still got our MPL2 one I have a nice Webby but I'll try and get Chris Webb on for that one, the MPL2 expert as he's known in Canberra and for the MPLW looks like a pretty formidable lineup. We've got Jeremy McGahn as always Maddie Moore and for the first time Stefan Mubis as well a journalist from Beyond 90 who covers the MPLWM quite well also so I'm looking forward to both those episodes. And that was episode 41, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you soon.